step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. All right, and welcome to Fast Break Breakfast NBA Podcast. My name is Keith here alone for a solo interview episode the regular episode with john and chuck and myself will be out on thursday tomorrow we're actually i'm recording this on wednesday morning a little later in the day john and chuck are coming over so you'll have two podcasts from us in very short order a reminder we're coming up on the last day to vote for the memorial magic alumni team that our podcast is supporting so do us a favor If you don't mind, go to fastbreakbreakfast.com and that will redirect you to their team page for the basketball tournament. And all you got to do is click vote for this team or click to become a fan for this team. And then you enter your email address and that is counted as a vote. I want to see this team with John Jenkins, Derek Byers and Lance Goldborn with with Festus Azili coaching them. Uh, make it into the basketball tournament. They're actually on the outside looking in, so they need your votes. So go to fastbreakbreakfast.com and click vote for this team. My guest today is a contributor for Warriors World, which I'm told is the oldest blog on the internet or something. And he's the host of the Light Years podcast and a return guest, Mr. Sam Isfandiari. Good morning. How are you? What's up, Keith? Um, yes, actually, Al Gore invented Warriors World. It was the first thing ever on the internet. That's so. what I hear. There's a lot of. There's a lot of. We were the first blog. End of sentence. It's like oh. <laughs> no, the, the real the real story is it's the longest standing independent site covering the Warriors. Been around since 2000 since Vontigo Cummings' breakout season. <laughs> but, you know, the, the man had to hold him down. Otherwise, otherwise he would have been the original Steph Curry, I'm convinced. I think you're probably right. Is this a dogged independence, like we don't want to be owned by the man? Or is this an independence, like we've been around forever and apparently no one wants us? Um, it, actually, it's gone both routes. Uh, it was part <laughs> of the ESPN True Hoop Network for a while. Um, I don't make those decisions, so I don't really want to speak on it, but they've <laughs> gone both um, the uh, independent route and the, uh, you know, uh, team up with other sites and be uh, affiliated route. Um, currently independent. So they wouldn't want the to uh, they wouldn't want to join up with like some other superstar blogs and create like a super blog team. I mean, we <laughs> we uh, we did try to buy Oklahoma City's blog, but they weren't for sale. So. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, so obviously, this is the build up to a highly anticipated trilogy, the the third installment of Cavs Warriors. I have been very vocal on our show about the 
abject boredom of the playoffs. I would like to toot my own horn. I was the original, the playoffs are boring. I, I threw that out way before everyone else was talking about it. I, I was at the end of the first round being like, this is going to be a nightmare from here on out. But um, I am actually excited for this big matchup. So I'm curious, a- as a Warriors fan, as someone who your whole season has pretty much been meaningless up until this point, you now only get like four to seven meaningful games for your entire year. What's your uh, state of mind? So I'm with you. It's been a boring playoffs. Um, I'm, I refuse to do the, uh, the outrage that like the NBA is ruined. Like I've watched boring playoffs in the past. The early OOs had some just disgusting playoffs. Uh, sometimes that happens. Um, it's kind of weird. Like I don't even feel like it, I think game one will have to end before I feel like the finals have started because I, it's gonna, it's almost going to feel like a preseason game to me. Uh, obviously not the stakes, but like just such a long layoff. And I'm kind of expecting both teams to come out a little sloppy. There's just no way you could simulate, um, you know, an actual game scenario and practice, at least the way that they're going to play each other. And then I expect there to be some feeling out on both sides. So um, I wish it didn't go this way. I know they 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 put the start date for the finals like it's predetermined. They can't move it up like other rounds. Um, but it just kind of sucks. Ten day break. Uh, I, mean, I got House of Cards last night, so at least I got to watch that. But <laughs> okay, I've been really uh, you know it's 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 been boring. It's been boring for us too. Uh, I I'm really waiting for the series to kind of get into game two, three and, you know, start feeling the tension, I guess. I think I'm worried for the warriors. I think actually, I think it's going to be tough in that game one. Cause I think at least the Cavs seem to be hitting on all cylinders. People are talking about the warriors hitting on all cylinders, but let's be real. Like they haven't been doing anything. Like they could have, no, they've been playing, they've been <laughs> playing half-assed. I mean, yeah. I would, I would agree with you. They've put together, a couple stretches, uh, but I wouldn't say they, um, the focus doesn't look the same as Cleveland's, at least to date. Um, you could put some of that on, uh, the opposition. Um, obviously the quiet injury is unfortunate, but like Portland was never going to be a challenge for them. And, uh, neither was Utah to be honest. Um, as much as, you know, uh, everyone liked to praise Utah as the new Memphis. Um, these warriors are much better than, the Warriors that played the Grizzlies two years ago. And those Grizzlies are a lot better than these Jazz, even if they have some stylistic, you know, uh, similarities. So you just said something that I've been hearing a lot. And it's the uh, this Warriors team is is way better than they were last year and the year before. Can you explain this to me like a child? Why are people saying that? Okay, so one, if you want to look at the numbers, uh, net rating and that stuff just suggests this team is better than the past two years. Like they're winning by larger margins. But taking that aside, I really think um, let's go back to two years ago when they won the when they lo- they won the finals. They got they got a little shook up by Memphis. They also got shook up by Cleveland uh, with you know just LeBron and role players. Uh, and to me, that Warriors team overachieved. Uh, relative to the steps they had won 51 games a year before that they'd never been past the second round um and then they just you know they turned into a 67 win juggernaut uh 
but they hadn't had those playoff series. Like you could see it against Memphis, Tony Allen and uh, Zebo got into their heads, you know, cause they, they had more playoff experience than the Warriors. You saw Steph and clay and these guys making kind of uncharacteristic turnovers. Um, so where I think they're better is it shows in Draymond clay Steph to a degree uh, they're, they expect to be here now. They're a little better season. They know how to pace themselves. So uh, even if the numbers suggest they're better or if some numbers suggest they're not, I just think they're more veteran. And I think they're more uh, they're comfortable with the stakes in ways that they weren't in the past. So this this level of comfort is do you think it it extends to Kevin Durant, who in his playoff past has been called Mr. Unreliable? And now he's the new guy on the team, and they don't have all this continuity of these playoff battles together. So do you think that comfort level can extend to Durant? Uh, I think so. I definitely see it on the defensive end. He's fit in like a glove on defense. Uh, The way the Warriors like to play with kind of the switching and um, just, you know, the aggressive switching in general kind of plays to his strengths. Um, So he's fit in there. Offensively, I it's kind of a mixed bag. Obviously, huge talent can go off at any point and has gone off quite often, uh, particularly when you put him around uh, a bunch of other really talented players. So it's impossible to really double team. Um, I do worry a little bit about the continuity. I worry about the fact that they haven't been tested. I'm expecting Cleveland to uh, get really physical with them and. I just I haven't seen them really have to execute in close games. Um, and when they have had to, it's been bad. You know, there's that Memphis game in January. Uh, but, like, you can count the games on one hand where they've really gone down to, you know, last two minutes, single possession game. It just it just hasn't been that way. So if games go that way, I think that's advantage Cleveland. You know, they're running back year three of the same core. Their continuity is just a lot better. Uh, And that's my main fear with the Warriors, because I have no doubt that they can figure it out eventually. But, you know, eventually, maybe middle of next year. And that's not going to do us any (laughs) good for the finals. Right. Right. So I'll go and tell you, I've picked the Cavs to win this series. I I, because of those things you cited, um, although admittedly, I have watched so little Warriors this year. It's been insane. Like during the playoffs, I don't think I watched an entire game. Like, I was just tuning in every now and then. But maybe in my ignorance, I've decided everything that the Warriors did this regular season, those stats, used to, like the net rating, everything they've done this regular season and postseason, I feel like is useless when assessing the this matchup. And I do look at the fact that um, I'm concerned about the continuity, the close game, uh, the lack of close game experience. And some of it could be is probably obviously clouded by me being a Grizzlies fan and having watched that late game meltdown in the regular season, you know, where Draymond and Duran are cussing at each other and the Grizzlies are just getting offensive rebound after offensive rebound and, and come back and win. But that so was look, a fun little Friday night for me. <laughs> oh, that man, that that was Grizzlies season apex for me. Uh, but the um, I, I'm looking at it. The Warriors are 0 and 3 this season in overtime games. And I know I just said you have to throw out everything. But now I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth. Um, they're 0 and 3 in overtime games. They were 4 and 6 in games decided by five or less. So I do. F- I feel like that this kind of comfort level of being the superior 
talented team that can obviously just destroy most teams they play when you roll the ball out there. I feel like when I'm looking at this series, and I think they are more evenly matched than we're making out, the Cavs and the Warriors, for me, the, the balance switches to... I trust LeBron more in these close games, and even though I enjoy watching the Warriors and they're a lot of fun, I'm concerned based on the things I've seen the last two finals and in close games this season. Um, I would agree with you. LeBron is probably the the safer bet in those situations. He's proven it uh, more often than the Warriors have. Um, reasons I'm less concerned, uh, I believe all three of those overtime losses were in the first half of the season. Uh, two of them were into you know in 2016, so let's say the first 25 games of the season. Um, so I I don't know how much you can read into that, but there is the fact that they only played 10 games that were within five points says a lot. I mean, I watched every one of their games this year, and it was just it, it was a slow destruction. You know how in previous years it'd be a close game, and then Steph Curry would just uh, you know go off for like three minutes in a row and then it, they'd blow it open. This year has been a lot more, um, I, I don't want to say Spursy because, uh, the, the way they play is just so different than that. But like, you know, they're putting eight points on you every quarter and then you end the game with a 30 point margin and yeah. they haven't really played, uh, many of those games. You know, the Memphis one is a classic one and I dream on loved it, uh, because he thought they needed it. And I agree they need they needed more games like that, but their talent level kind of. I mean, Kerr was trying to do it most of the year with, with doing some weird rotations to kind of manufacture games. I mean, I think he was honestly trying to throw games to a degree, but um, uh, you know, it's it's just hard to do. So we don't know. My thought: I think the Warriors will win the series. Uh, obviously, uh, a little bias here, but um, I think if they do, it'll be more reminiscent of the Spurs in 2014 where they just kind of blew it open and uh, moved the ball so well that uh, it didn't really count to those possessions. And I think that's kind of going to be how they're, if they're going to win, that's, that's going to be their formula. It's, it's hard to see a scenario where it's a single possession game and uh, they, uh, you know, they out, um, they out execute a LeBron team, I guess, you know, you, you know, LeBron teams, unlikely to have a uh, behind-the-back turnover with a minute left. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, yeah, and you mentioned that, and obviously a lot of the really smart and the analytical NBA writers I'm seeing think it's going to be a dominant victory for the Warriors. I feel like Tom Hyberstro, um, uh Kevin Pelton, the dunked-on guys, are all saying, like, Warriors in five type thing. And again, for, for me, I, I have trouble... Uh, wrapping my brain around like like a a landslide, or if it is a a you know Spurs twenty fourteen when LeBron and his guys say like guys we just can't do it like they're so they're so much better and the last couple of games aren't close so like I, I have trouble believing in that I think and that's because like when I watched the Warriors the last two years and and I like the Warriors I feel like I've I've happily enjoyed the bandwagon rise of the Warriors I think their games are like indisputably entertaining. There's so much fun, like just watching them being like, is Clay going to go off? Is Steph going to go off? Um, so like, I feel like two years ago I was cheering for, I want to see Curry just like 
blow out the Cavs. This is gonna this this is gonna be fun. And then they made it a struggle. Like just LeBron and Delavadova pretty much like made that series a struggle. Um, and LeBron pulled it to six games. And then last year where they were the seventy three win team. And again, heavy favorites. And then obviously, we we all know what happened there. So I think just just the last two years, I feel like we've come into the playoffs or the finals expecting Warriors dominance, and then we haven't seen it. Obviously, they won a title, but the fact that like everything we see leading into it, you know. So let me let me give you my counter. Yes. Um, Two years ago, I will say that's like I said, I felt like they skipped a step. So. Uh, Steph was dealing with some struggles there. I don't think he played poorly in the finals. He just had one epically bad game. I think it kind of skewed people's memories because the minute they saw Kyrie go down, they thought, well, it's a wrap. It's going right. to be a sweep. And it didn't turn out that way. And, you know, all credit to LeBron, but he'd been there way more than the Warriors had. So I think part of it's that next year, uh, I will go to my deathbed saying how injured Steph was. Um, the knee, like, I just. You know the move he put on Rudy Gobert where he just spun him out of control uh, in the second round? That was palming. Carrying. <laughs> Come on, NBA. I'm just, no, I'm kidding. I'm just, I'm just saying he, he couldn't shake Kevin Love, uh, and then he did that to Rudy Gobert. Like I've, I've watched every one of his games. I can tell when he can't move at his best. He was injured in the finals last year, so I don't want to give him a pass because being injured doesn't excuse dumb turnovers. It just excuse, it excuses maybe not being able to get as open as you want. It doesn't mean he didn't uh, also make dumb mental mistakes. Uh, but I think uh, in this series, I, I mean, he, he comes across a really nice guy. Do not take that uh, for him not being as motivated and maniacal as any uh, elite player out there. Um, he just, he just knows how to talk to the media, I suppose. Um, and I know it's just, I think he wants to redeem that finals because he, uh, I mean, they threw away 73 wins. There's no way around it. Who do you, who do you think it's, it's going to bother more than the unanimous MVP who people were calling better than LeBron, which, you know, admittedly was short-sighted, but he did have an amazing year and just kind of like one of the worst finals ever. So, uh, I would kind of bank on. Um, the fact that he wants to avenge that and same with Draymond who, I mean, Draymond cost him the finals in many ways with that suspension. Um, I would, I would factor those in as reasons the warriors could blow them out. Uh, the secondary reason, which we haven't talked about on this podcast is Cleveland's defense is not that good. It's been better in the playoffs. I question the talent they're even going against in the East, but uh, the Warriors should be able to exploit it. You know, I'm not I'm not here to buy any of these. Kevin Love is an improved player takes because it's just a terrible matchup for him. He may he may have a good game or two, but um, I don't know how he sticks with Draymond. I don't know how he sticks with switches. Um, I, I just I, I think if the Warriors take advantage of him, it's going to be because Cleveland really hasn't had a good defense all year. And uh, they haven't gone against someone who can exploit it. And I tend to believe in, you know, habits being more important than flipping the switch, uh, which they think they can do. I just, you know, they're they're throwing doubles at Isaiah Thomas. That's great. If you want to throw doubles at Steph Curry and give Kevin Durant a one on one or leave Clay Thompson open. I mean, do it at your own peril. It's a different you're, it's a little different than leaving uh, Jay Crowder open. Yeah. And I think that's going to be 
I think both teams are going to have incredible defensive challenges because the obviously you say the Warriors, you know, they should be able to carve up the Cavs defense a lot of the time. I'm not as convinced that Kevin Love's going to be as big of a liability that a lot of people think he is because I, I think um, Mike Brown, I'm, I'm curious what Mike Brown's going to do if he if he's the one, you know, pulling the, the strings. I would uh, I would assume he is at this point. Um, just all signs kind of seem to point to it's unlikely Kerr's going to be able to coach the finals. So let's just, let's just go with that for now. Right. So the, um, and so I think that the Cavs will be able to use love and Thompson, and I think they're going to, they're going to dominate those rebounds to the point where I'm curious if Mike Brown will stick with a small ball lineup where he feel like he's getting, you know, one that can really torch Kevin love on defense, if he feels like he's getting beat on the offensive boards, maybe he'll fall back into a more traditional, like having either JaVale or Zaza play more. So I'm not sure. But for me, that's obviously the question is, does the the defense improvements that the Cavs have shown, like, does that mean anything to the Warriors offense? So that's an interesting one. Um, Andre Godal has not really had an impactful or good playoffs. I mean, he sat out most of the Spurs series. Uh, and it's really hard to tell if that knee issue he has is an actual lingering issue or it's the Warriors saying, we just got a break with Kawhi being out. We don't need you to play. Just yeah. go rest up. So I don't know. He's had a history of kind of looking like he's washed up and then turning up when the Warriors need him. So uh, there's that. But, I mean, his his health and his effectiveness will be probably the largest determinant in how often the Warriors go small. There's a big difference between going small with him and going small with Livingston or Matt Barnes playing that role, uh, where it's probably less of a net advantage um, than just staying traditional. Uh, I do agree with you on the Kevin Love point where every time the Warriors have a center in there, you know, Zaza, David West, JaVale, those are minutes Kevin Love should be able to stay on the floor and be a positive impact. You know, they'll just have him guard Zaza and you know, that's, that's a fine match, right? Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's the question of if they go into that small lineup, how much he can stay on the floor because they'll go so fast. He'll be forced to guard someone who's a perimeter playmaker. And uh, that's, I, I mean, I just, I don't think that's a, a positive matchup for him. If it ends up being what we're assuming Mike Brown's going to coach, if it ends up being Mike Brown versus Ty Lue, is that the worst finals coaching matchup we've ever had? And I say that as someone who doesn't honestly know how to assess NBA coaches, but so just, just, <laughs> as, just as an armchair critic, like, is that the worst matchup? I don't think so. First off, I've kind of liked the way Mike Brown, Mike Brown's coached him more than Steve Kerr. Uh, but they're they're joint coaching Kerr's running all the game plans um it's 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 just such a weird situation that like i can't necessarily say mike brown's fully coaching the team i guess he does have some freedom of in-game adjustments uh but it, it's just so hard uh tyloo's actually done a good job i thought he outcoached Kerr last finals uh their regular season was very uninspired but i don't know how you make a team with lebron play inspired if LeBron basically wants nothing to do with the 82 games. Yeah. Like his, his whole MO during the regular season to me is don't get hurt. So, um, you know, it's kind of hard if your leader is not really going to try that hard, uh, because he knows, you know, he, he, they can turn it on. He can turn it on. Um, how do you really coach him to, right? 
Yeah. Uh, you, you can think about it in all teams. It's, you know, if you don't have like Marcus all playing, you know, his game doesn't, doesn't the rest of the team kind of follow his, his lead. Yeah, no, we, we know all about like, Oh, I guess Mark's not going tonight. All right. <laughs> you know, like that's all the team. No, and, and I don't, I don't mean to slander, uh, Ty Lu cause I, I'm just going with, I honestly have no idea what level of NBA coach he is because he's had, he's just, he's just playing on a LeBron super team. You know, like, I don't know. Could he coach the Phoenix suns to 30 wins? I don't know. Like, yeah. And I also think it's so early in his career. He's, he's coached what? 120 games max, something like that. Yeah. So, uh, maybe in 10 years, Ty Lue is, you know, um, we look at him like, uh, you know, Rick Carlisle or something. I don't know. Someone, someone who's like an esteemed coach, uh, or maybe in 10 years it'll be like, what was the name of that guy who coached Cleveland again? You know, it's, I don't know. I don't know how to look at it. Um, the Mike Brown thing's interesting because, uh, since he's taken over and both him and Steve have talked about it, he has a propensity to play matchups more than Kerr. Uh, Kerr wants to stick to his motion based offense. Um, and I, as a result in the playoffs, you've seen Steph and Katie play better because they've gotten to attack matchups more and Clay's been kind of out of it. I mean, he's played really good defense. He's obviously valuable because he can miss 10 shots, but your defender's still not going to leave him as a shooter, right? Uh, but he hasn't had those, you know, explosive Clay games. He's been averaging like 15, 14 points a game, which, you know, he's essentially been a, a, a slightly better version of Danny Green in the playoffs. So um, uh, it is interesting, and I kind of think Mike Brown's style is better suited for playing Cleveland. I felt like part of the issue the Warriors have had with Cleveland has been uh, Ty Lue and LeBron just um, they look to attack any weakness with the same play over and over again. Put Steph through a thousand pick and rolls. Even if Steph's a fine defender, he's not, you know, you don't want him guarding LeBron and you're going to wear him out, right? Um, the Warriors, on the other hand, would just kind of go with base offensive stuff and the ball movement. And uh, th- that really also led to Steph being beat up off ball, running off those screens instead of kind of like, let's put Kevin Love through a pick and roll and make him try to guard us. So yeah. uh, I do think it, you know, it's, it's always, it, it's a, de- it's a delicate balance for the Warriors because that ball movement is so important to their identity and just kind of how they play. But sometimes you just got to take the direct route of the team. Yeah. And, and obviously I think, I think that's what taking that direct route and putting in the hands of Durant to see if Durant can, can be that hero that, that he wants to be, or to see if Curry can come through on the big stage, get himself an NBA finals. And again, uh, throwing it back to something you said a while ago, Yes, in 2015, Steph Curry was good in the finals. He averaged 26 points in the finals. Andre Iguodala being finals MVP is insanity. Um, I, I've been on that for a while. But anyway, um, wrapping up, a, a couple more things. Uh, who's your pick for MVP? Who, who do you predict will be the MVP? Well, Russ is going to win it. Um, I no, no, would... no, 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 no. Oh, God, no. Please. Oh. I, I don't oh, want to talk okay. about actual MVP. <laughs> who, who's, your, who's your pick for finals MVP? Uh, I'm going to go with Steph Curry. I, I think he's playing, he's uh, part of the Warriors being so boring in the playoffs or just not unchallenged. Uh, his play has gone under the radar. He's playing as well as he did in the regular season last year. And he's been better than Durant. Um, so I, I think he will, I, I don't think they can double him like they've done the last two finals. I mean, if they do double him, they're giving up, you know, they're, they're giving the finals MVP to Kevin Durant. 
So I think they're going to be forced to play it straight up. And I think uh, he's going to eat Kyrie alive and um, make up for what was probably the lowest point of his career. Yep. I, I do say when I watch the Warriors and I think it's interesting, like if you double Curry and it ends up being a Durant shot, the the funny part about how good this Warriors team is, I feel like when the defense forces a Durant three, that's kind of a win. Like, like I think he, he's the, like obviously that might mean you, you lose in four, but uh, like Durant is the worst of, you know, you don't want Curry or, or Thompson to shoot those threes. So I, I do feel like uh, it's one of those where if you can convince him to shoot more than the other guys, that that, that might, might be a slight win, but that also might just be a terrible. Yeah, idea. the Warriors have been pretty successful at um, kind of forcing KD to play downhill, which is clearly when he's at his best. But he does have it in him, especially like late in games when I, I don't know if his legs are going uh, a lot. That seems to be the common uh, theory that he he settles for like you know um, kind of bailout jumpers. Yeah. Uh, which he's good at. He, I mean, he's a good shooter, no way around it, but um, it's it's just a lower percentage shot. Yeah, those Oklahoma City habits are, are hard to break. Um, <laughs> over over under 0.5 ejections for Draymond Green. <sighs> I do think that's the key to the series. I didn't even get to say this. Um, every number between these two teams uh, it both against each other and just in general points to the fact that if Draymond's on the floor, the Warriors have a huge edge. If he's not LeBron will average a hundred points a game on 80% from the field. So, um, it, it's kind of like, uh, uh, he is the key to the series. And if you remember on MLK day, um, LeBron had one of the most egregious flops to try to get, uh, Draymond ejected. <laughs> And kind of gave a smirk when Draymond was freaking out because he, you know, he, he got called for a uh, a flagrant which was non-existent, um, and then they they rescinded it. But he got himself like a tech for arguing so much. So um, uh, I'm gonna go under because uh, uh, I think he's gonna try everything he can to avoid it. But I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna take the over. No suspension, but I think he gets himself tossed from one of these games. I think one of these games is a is a blow. At least one of these games is going to be a blowout. And in either way, like like I can see the Warriors being up by twenty five, and uh, and Draymond gets gets tossed, you know, in the last minute or or, or something silly like that. So I'm gonna take the over. All right, last question: Which one of these teams is the bad guy? Obviously, Cleveland. I um, mean, d- d- defend your decision. <laughs> I'm Warriors fan. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. I'm um, from a from a big picture, unaffiliated NBA fan narrative. Who who is the villain? It depends on whose legacy you're more invested in. If you're invested in LeBron being better than Jordan, uh, the Warriors are what is stopping that from happening. Um, you know. objectively maybe not but like we judge things by accomplishments and rings so lebron beating the warriors would be the type of thing that make it very difficult for someone to reject the argument that he's at least as good as jordan uh if you are invested in steph curry going down as uh you know an all-time great um then you see cleveland as the villains you want to see everything 
uh, avenged from last year. But I really think it comes down to essentially um, those two narratives. Uh, I don't necessarily think uh, either team is is uh, objectively better or worse than the other, except for the fact that Cleveland dogging it all regular season is kind of a lame look. Like I think for all the complaints people give the Warriors about competitive balance, what team's not signing KD if they can? Like, was Memphis going to say no if Kevin Durant wanted to go there? You know, no, we got no, no. That that'd be unfair if we added that much talent. You know, so. Uh, but I do think uh, if if your issue is competitive balance, you you want to see Cleveland probably punished because um, they they dog it all season. You know, they they should be a sixty some win team, but. They don't care to try because they know they can, you know, slap their way through the East. Yeah, I'm not, I, that didn't bug me. I, I took the under for the Cavs. Um, I, I will say you, you left out my two narratives. I, I consider the Cavs kind of the bad, the bad guy because of uh, their all the quick and loans, predatory lending. So I'm like, well, that's just evil. But then, but then I look at Joe Lacob and his dogs are named uh, John Galt and Howard Rourke. So he's some, he's some Ayn Rand fetishist. So I don't know. There's no winning for us, uh, I guess, in independent fans. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, Lakeup, every time you find the Warriors likable, Lakeup, Lakeup has to do some sort of uh, Gavin Belson, Silicon Valley type of statement that just makes you want to punch him in the face. That is so hilarious. I actually have written down Gavin Belson in my notes. Like, like, <laughs> like we're cheering for the Warriors, a.k.a. gentrification, the team, a.k.a. Hooli, led by Gavin Belson. <laughs> The big bad guy. I just like to imagine Lakeup brings like an elephant to practice to make a point or yeah. or a bulldog. Look at the look at the bulldog. Well, what, what was the animal that uh, Gavin Belson like threw down the stairwell that he was mad at? Like I can't remember what it was. It was like it was, was like it? A, it was like an emu or something he brought to the office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Sam. Uh, tell people where they can uh, find your stuff on the internet. All right, you can um, you can go to warriorsworld.net uh, and my podcast will post there or the iTunes store. And uh, occasionally I'll write blog posts on there, or you can follow my Twitter at Sam Esfandiari, um, and I'll post any link of any uh, content I may or may not produce on there. That sounds great. Uh, best of luck to the Warriors. I'm not sure who I'm cheering for. I'm going to wait till uh, I start watching to let the bandwagon carry me, whichever way it's going to carry me. Let's just, let's just have a good series. Let's, yeah. have, let's, let's have some compelling basketball because the, the last two months have been kind of lame. I've kind of, I've actually, well, I mean, like you're watching House of Cards. I've enjoyed being free from the shackles of having to watch NBA. I'll, I'll be real. <laughs> I've been having a good time. All right, All right bud. We'll you have a good one, Keith. Thanks, Sam. Talk to you later. All right. Thanks to Sam for coming on this show, being a good sport about everything. Make sure you check him out on Twitter as he lobs grenades at Cavaliers fans. He's, he's kind of fun about that. He, he has a good time needling the opposition. All right, you guys, thanks for listening. Keep your eyes out for our regular podcast with John and Chuck that we'll be posting kind of right after this. If you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. All right, you guys are the best. Thanks for listening. And remember, breakfast is the most important thing. Never apologize for being TNG. Fan break, break, man. You understand?
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.